This podcast is brought to you by Google. To help you create great games, connect with players, and scale your business, Google is your strategic partner across the game development lifecycle. More than just a collection of tools, bring your vision to life with cross-platform solutions that give you access to billions of potential players around the world. Visit googleforgames.com or go to the link in the podcast description below. And if you ask me, Google for Games is truly an amazing site where you'll learn more about game solutions from Google and find the latest research and insights from Google's gaming teams to help you achieve your goals. So if you're not driving or working out while listening to this podcast, I really suggest you fire up that browser and check out Google for Games. Do you have the tools to turn your insights into action? Let's be honest, not all marketing activities are created equal. AppSlyer's analytics suite simplifies its complex data and gives you a unified view of campaign performance so you can make better, faster marketing choices at every stage of the customer journey. The goal is to create exceptional experiences that keep customers engaged. To succeed, you need to meet your customers where they are. AppSlyer's customer experience and engagement suite powered by a reliable deep linking engine lets you create personalized journeys that increase conversion and return on every experience. In addition, AppSlyer is going to keep your budget safe from mobile ad fraud. Bots and click farms aren't going to generate revenue for you. That's why you need a comprehensive fraud protection solution to make sure you're investing in the right channels and only measuring and paying for real actions. Are you ready to start making good choices? Great. Go to AppSlyer.com and get yourself an attribution partner you deserve. We pretty much use just about every single product that uh, Iron Source offers. We're, we're completely integrated with the platform. Of course, the mediation products, all ad ad products, and the company that can assist us in doing UA and monetization and all the uh, additional products that come along with it. It takes a lot of uh, headache away from us. It takes a lot of the hard, busy work off of our hands. Having a kind of an all-in-one platform. You just heard Andrew Stone. He's the CEO at Random Logic Games, who use IronSource's platform to grow their games in the smartest way possible. If you want to grow like Random Logic, you can get the SDK on IronSource's website. That's ironsrc.com. Twig 166, welcome everybody. We got the full house, and if we had some drought during the, during the new season, uh, today for sure isn't. We're gonna talk about Activision. We're gonna talk about a little bit about the uh, the, um, the network deal. Um, not we are gonna because both of Eric's are are not able to talk anything regarding Forte or network. But me and Adam are gonna bounce around and um, bunch of Turkey stuff. So uh, how's everybody doing? Uh, I'm all right. So I had quite a weekend. Um, I don't know if you guys saw it in the news, but uh, like Toronto just had like the most ridiculous blizzard that it's had in a long, long time, did which normally would the, be uh, fine. The news. <laughs> did not cross it here. Okay. Well, you know, the East Coast of North America. <laughs> that, shit, that shit doesn't um, yeah. rate in, in California, dude. No one cares yeah. about Toronto, dude. Actually, okay. well, anyway, Toronto it's... generally. I mean, what? seriously. Okay, so anyways, we had like blizzard of the century, which normally would be, you know, okay. We got about like 60 to 70 centimeters of snow. That's um, a lot. Right? <laughs> Quite a bit. And having to shovel all that out normally would be shit. But then on top of that, um, 
we have baby two on the way. My wife thought she went into labor during the blizzard, which all the roads oh, were fuck. shut down. Right, like everything was shut down. You couldn't move your car. There was people stuck on the highway for eight hours um, because Our- the, the they couldn't actually like plow the roads because there was too many cars stuck on the road. Um, so we were just kind of like sitting here in the house, locked down again, being like. Just like don't go into labor yet, don't go into labor yet. But that, that was my are, weekend. Aren't you qualified to deliver a baby, Adam? No, no, I'm not. <laughs> Only if it's a video game. <laughs> <laughs> Only in a video game. Wow. I can't wait for Surgeon Simulator 2, you know, the uh, labor <laughs> and delivery department. That's um, scary. Yeah, I'm yeah. talking about blizzard, blizzards. We also had a had a blizzard. Of course, we, we have blizzards. My mom fell and broke her. Mm. Like, what are the two bones? The tibia and the other one. Oh, no. Like, both. Double the broke? Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, double oh. one, just clean. Dude, that now, and I was like, "Did it?" And she's like, "It did not hurt." What a beast! <laughs> but, Amazing. But she's <laughs> she, she, she's not walking for a little. I'm I'm laughing. I shouldn't be laughing. That's but, your, that's, uh, dude, that's your mom, man. What's wrong with yeah, you? Yeah, I mean that recovery. Uh, that recovery is going to be months and months, right? Yeah, you know well, how she's long not a basketball old... player. It's fine. She's she's not. You know. No, no. But you know how sit. long it takes old people to grow back bone? You know, like I know. I know. Honestly, it's a uh, it's it's really. Uh, scary, like like the stuff. So um, wow. I'm happy she's doing better. She got out of surgery for like two and a half hours. She was in the surgery, and um, and you can't visit people because of the COVID. So my dad was kind of he was the one tripping, but my mom was like, oh, I didn't even hurt. <laughs> I was like, all right, <laughs> lady, <laughs> good job. So um, yeah, I can't, you know, I can't believe you're giggling. You're giggling about your mom, dude. Well, what yeah. are you gonna? What do you want me to do? You want me to cry? Not, she's and come on, and, and, it's and plus, she's saying it didn't hurt. That's it's, it's funny. Well, like she she's really interesting because she's a doctor, so she was like analyzing everything that was going uh, on, and then she kind of calls me and calls out all the doctors in the in the hospital, like they did this wrong and that wrong. I'm like, okay, okay, mom, but how are you feeling? She's like, I'm I'm okay, and then she's like, I might have had COVID at the same time, but I think I'm better now. So <laughs> I think she broke her leg and had a COVID at the same time. So. So that's um, you know, that's that's a blizzard at in Helsinki. All right, I got nothing. I got no updates. All I'm doing is stressing because there's too many cut deals happening right now, and All two right. <laughs> two of my publicly traded companies are off the fucking grid right now because they're oh, being acquired. So that's not good for Mr. Crest. Just saying, because um, <laughs> it's less less market cap to cover. But um, but anyway, Roblox and others replace it, I suppose. Yeah. Uh, so let us get going. Let's let's get going. So um, I wrote kind of p- part of the news and then a lot of more news came in. So I have a lot of updates. So first of all, I want to start off with Istanbul. A lot of people have been actually reaching out because I've been kind of teasing about the upcoming Istanbul event with Double Eric's uh, and No Adam. And <laughs> those are not only the guests. We got Javier Barnes that was actually just uh, confirmed who's going to come in. Joachim Makran has been confirmed. Uh, we got Anton has been confirmed. So we're building up a pretty nice lineup to talk about everything from from um, blockchain gaming to to um, building clusters and raising funds. Anyway, so regarding Istanbul, there's uh, clearly the uh, the growth capital of mobile games at the moment. We had two funding news. So first one was Dream Games, known for Royal Match that we've been touting as, um, in our opinion, the best game on mobile of 2021. So they raised another round. The previous one round was, I think, 150 or something. That was raised six months ago at a billion valuation. The second round is 255 million at 2.75 billion valuation. And this is the team from Peak. Uh, their previous game was Toon Blast, and now they are killing it. Uh, the second raise was another ex Peak team. 
Uh, Spike Games grabbed 55 million seed round for a casual game that looks pretty much uh, like, a, I wouldn't say copy, but a, a heavily inspired by Coinmaster. This is the largest seed round to date for a startup out of Turkey. And they raised this money before even launching anything. So the first game, Royal Riches, surprise, you know, uh, Royal Match, Royal Riches, has been out uh, on a limited release. So basically in soft launch and is due to launch globally this month. Uh, what's interesting about the seed round is, to my understanding, all 55 M's came from Griffin, uh, Griffin Venture Partners, right? Griffin? Uh, yeah, correct. That's correct. Griffin Game Partners, right? Good. Cool logo. I, I forgot the name, but the logo is really cool. So, so uh, the Griffin Game Game Partners, Game Ventures, um, yeah, they dished out all 55 M's. So apparently they really believe in that in that company. Like clearly they really believe in that, and that's uh, that's uh, for for growth. I think that's going to be used for uh, for other a lot of the UA. Um, Sufer, do you know any of these uh, these teams? No. Uh, well, no, I don't. Um, not not your clients yet. <laughs> no, uh, I well I know the CMO uh, or head of marketing or whatever at Dream, um, but yeah, I mean I was singing Dream's praises uh, a month ago or two months ago. Um, got really into um, uh, is it Royal Royal Blast? I'm forgetting the name, but uh, anyway, the game is just so well designed. Um, mm. I mean it's a it's the it's the sort of apex match three game. Yeah, and I like how, where they put in the efforts. So if people haven't played Royal Matches, like they have essentially the same loop as um, Play Rix's games, but they just haven't put in as much effort in that whole um, decoration game. I mean, there is, but it's like a, it's it's more more um, cleanly done, if you will, and like not not as asset heavy. And then most of the effort have just gone into the core gameplay, just making sure that the levels are amazing, every single level. So. So that's uh, that's that's the type of focus uh, that is admirable. Um, all right, other other points of update. So, Team Seventeen acquired Astragon for seventy-five million, and Astragon is widely known as a successful publisher of sophisticated simulation games for PC, console, and mobile platforms. So, some of their games that I have never played and will never play are Bus Simula Simulator, Police Simulator, Firefighter Simulator. I don't know if they have a um, surgeon simulator that would be needed for Adam, but um, but I uh, haven't played their games, but apparently they're they're very successful. Uh, last week we talked about Team Seventeen acquiring the label, which is the uh, sort of a publishing arm for mobile subscription games, mobile subscription services, and um, Team Seventeen has really significantly expanded, now spanning multiple platforms, genres, and age groups, and um, not very clear how they will run this very eclectic portfolio that they're building. Uh, but in all these news, they are talking about these delayed earnouts uh, for the founders. So I'm sure they will make sure that they will, I mean, that will give them time to figure out how to run this, um, this, um, yeah, this basically big publishing arm. Cress, uh, do you know anything about uh, Team 17? No, I was actually just going to ask you guys. I don't, I've never even heard of them. And they just have a bunch of, but um, they just, or aggregator of indies or something? Yeah, like yeah, Embracer. You can know yeah. Team 17, though. Team 17 is like Worms, right? Like yeah, is school. that the same one? Because that, that's publisher. what I was thinking in my head. I was like, yeah. it can't be Worms. No, no it, it is. That's yeah. that's who we licensed it from at D-Chalk when we did that uh, that game for Facebook. The Penguins? Uh, no, it was Worms, right? 
the, the, the whole aggregator strategy is just falling apart. No, I'm no, no, you're this, right. This, I'm, is, I'm, like, I'm, this is an indie I'm publisher. About something else. This is just yeah. an indie yeah. publisher. Very similar to like Devolver Digital, right? Just right. They, they do Overwatch. They do, or, no, not Overwatch. Uh, what's Overcooked? Um, yeah. They have a bunch of those types of things. So it makes sense to pick up these simulator games that actually do you know pretty well for indie for indie titles. Mm. Okay, uh, but anyways, um, seems to be a you know pretty sizable acquisition for for. Um, for an indie company, so good luck and um, hopefully it pans out. We'll be—I can't say we'll be following that closely, but definitely makes sense to take a look at Team Seventeen and and their portfolio. <laughs> it's not really our our you know forte. <laughs> I mean, I, I'm going to make the same point I keep making all along: is that like <clears throat> clearly with these mega deals and these large players getting involved, Microsoft, Facebook, Netflix, Sony—you know—all these guys. Like these small indie games are just not going to be a big part of the market anymore, right? I mean, they are the darlings of places like Kotaku or IGN and stuff, mm -hmm. but like ultimately the business is these subscriptions of these large franchises and and these these offerings are getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And once Sony gets off its ass and starts doing stuff as well, like I just think these indies all fall to the wayside. So and they may have a place on something like Netflix potentially. But um, it's just not the right strategy. It never has been. So. But what about, um, so I agree with you in 90% of cases, but there's, in, with indies, there's these like simulation games and then there's also like paradox strategy games um, where they have this niche audience and obviously small, but the engagement of these players are insane. Um, so when you look at something like Game Pass, Crusader Kings constantly is popping up. I don't know if it's just for me on my feed, but my sense is that because the engagement is so strong, Microsoft sees some value in these niche long engagement games adding to their subscription service. So it could make sense for Team 17 or Devolver to be picking up these niche but long tail games rather than kind of the usual pop and drop oxen free stuff. Right, Does that make I mean, sense? Yeah, totally. Uh, I, mean, I, I, I can't yeah, disagree. I, think, I mean, it's like, I, yeah, I just... Yeah. In the, in the well, in the scheme of the business, and maybe it's just from my lens, like these things are not that interesting anymore. They were interesting at a time, right? I think you know when when Microsoft and Sony were really pushing for indies on their platform to differentiate, like that was interesting. I thought, but that never really panned out. Don't you think, Eric, that there's going to be more like because it's clearly this sort of a content war going on, and and they're buying now the uh, the top assets, but at some point with companies like. Team 17 that will have a pretty, pretty wide portfolio of, of games that have a, you know, probably very sizable audience that they are more valuable that way and they're not going to fall sideways. And instead, Microsoft or, or Sony will pick up, pick them or Netflix will pick them up for uh, for their subscription service through that at a much larger valuation because they can essentially get one in, you know, ton of content in one bag. Just throwing out, you know, just a thought. <laughs> I, I think we're still talking like an HBO model, not Netflix for gaming. So mm -hmm. I think the the premier games and that cadence is going to what is is going to what differentiates the platforms. So things like Bethesda's games and fucking Call of Duty, you know. Yeah. Like have you Ford, have you guys? Uh, this is kind of I don't know. This this I think this is circling the drain here. But have you guys seen that Netflix is uh, promoting its games from within the app? Yeah, it's live in Finland. Yeah. That's uh that's like. How is that not a violation of the App Store within the App Store policy? Yeah, no shit. No shit. 
Yeah, we but haven't thrown shade at Apple in a while. Like they're like, just advertising their own on? free games. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but we we just don't know, Misco. We just don't we don't we don't we don't get it. But they can't tell us why we're wrong. But we're wrong. But they can't tell yeah. them why, right? <laughs> oh, but, yeah, but, this promotion network acting no, within one live service to another. I, it's more <laughs> like the COVID restrictions. They're like not based really on science, but on politics. So I think you and have Nef- to take it that way. <laughs> Netflix has gotten exemptions since day one. Netflix was one of the first companies that started going with web-based subscriptions. They took the link out. They've been getting exemptions since day one. I mean, it's pretty clear that these guidelines are not applied universally right and any mobile gaming company tries to pull what netflix is pulling right now they'd get booted out of the app store mm-hmm. the, 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 the hypocrisy of apple just blows my <laughs> mind right Let, i mean don't get me started you know like please please yeah well maybe maybe they share some kind of investors or something like that because there has to be a reason for this to you you know because no, it's 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 they're too big to to punish they're but, too big to hold but they attack to, microsoft with um you know, they closed out Microsoft and... What do you mean, yeah, with the streaming I mean, stuff? Well, the streaming yeah. stuff is new. The streaming stuff is new, though. They're killing it in, in the crib. The 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 Netflix... What do you do? You kick Netflix out of the App Store? You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, and everyone buys bad. an Android. Everyone buys an Android if you do that. You know what I mean? So, like, mm-hmm. they're too... And same with Roblox. Roblox was the top-grossing app. Uh, and, well, okay, what are we going to do? Well, we're going to let them say these are we're, these are experiences instead of games. Right? That's how, that's, that's how they've been allowed to operate an App Store within the App Store. Because they, they call those games experiences and so apple says okay well they're not promoting games they're, they're promoting experiences well now netflix is has a catalog of games that are being promoted within its app it, like in a in a very visible prominent way and up oh, that's not an app store within an app store because what how, how do they how do they even explain this away i think at some point they just don't even have to they're like the rules don't apply to some people but yeah, they but, apply to you but aren't the app store guys like reviewing every piece of content that comes out on netflix i mean that's yes. that, that was all oh, right that yeah, was yeah, an that issue w- with Microsoft, right? Right. So they a- must have tons of resources that are reviewing these for for yeah. for content, right? Well, there are no, not that many don't... games on the Netflix. Maybe they can re- what? What's their like? Dude, no, they've games? got what? Yeah, but that's that was a lot. I mean, as a Mr. Mishka, it was, he was, he was Mr. but look, I have to scroll, yeah, like multiple times to get to the end. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of. I games. have Netflix. I have Netflix. I know. <laughs> I didn't think your uh, Wi-Fi was strong enough for Netflix. No, it's um, yeah, it's it's um, yeah, what can I say? You know, it's Apple. They can do whatever. They have their own walled garden. So, um, but let's talk a little bit about the uh, the Forte acquiring network. So there was um, just just to kick it off, what is Forte? And Eric, I think Chris can can talk at this point. Like like you can explain what Forte is. Can you? No, I cannot. <laughs> okay, well let me let me give it a go. <laughs> So Chris can't comment on this stuff. Uh, it's an end-to-end platform that makes easy for game developers to leverage blockchain technology to introduce player-to-player economies, interoperate across various blockchain, and use blockchain ecosystem to tap into huge market around tokens globally. All right. So that's what Forte is. It's essentially a platform that makes it easier to make blockchain game, makes it easy not to make, to run and operate them. And Network, um, you know, most of the people who are listening to this, of course, know Network. Uh, it was founded by ex-EA exec who founded actually NG Moco, sold it to DNA, uh, then built out uh, Network, Neil Young and his team. And um, till date, they've raised about $57 million, all the way through Series C, according to Crunchbase. Am I right, Suford? This is at least in Crunchbase. Because you're kind of like... I don't know. Okay. Uh, according to Crunchbase 57, if it's more, good for them. If it's... Uh, it would, uh, for sure, it's not less. 
Uh, they're known for uh, Legendary Game of Heroes, a card game which at one point really looked like an unstoppable. We talked multiple times about how good they are with live services. Uh, Ethan Levy actually was, was running those. And we have a blog post about it. It was like a poster boy of live services. Then in November 2019, something happened and kind of revenues quickly halved. Um, and at the same time, Empires and Puzzles scaled and there were some other, other puzzle puzzle games that were scaling. And Network um, Legendary really never recovered. Uh, Network was trying like doing different type of stuff. They acquired the Funko pop blitz they did the tetris game again levy was behind that they they built a publishing platform where uh Suford, uh which you know uh, somehow related to Suford, uh which we can't talk about or can we i don't know but <laughs> that's that's your kind of connection with network and um like i yeah. yeah i lost that you know we announced it it's, you know yeah. you can look up the articles on venture beat or whatever yeah, so they had this publishing platform, but I don't know if they had much success with it. At least I don't know any games that they were able to scale through the publishing platform. I'm sure they were some games, but they were never too big. And, you know, in, in the predictions that I was doing, I was always talking about that maybe Microsoft or EA would acquire them uh, to get into mobile publishing. Uh, but I always assumed that the price was very steep and also that the executives might be too ambitious uh, to, to, to let in into, into those those environments. So last week, what happened was that Forte actually ended up acquiring Network uh, to accelerate growth in blockchain games. But the acquisition is, is interesting because they kind of acquired um, Network in, in two pieces. So there's the uh, um, Network's, Network's games were spun off into a new company called Network Studios. And that means the company, which is, has only 107 full-time employees, there's not counting contractors or, or, or others, uh, that means that 40 of them will join Fortane. So that's the publishing team and executives. And the remainder will stay in the studio structure. Um, so I don't know if, if, if this is like, I, I'm not sure how, how the... Um, the earnout is being distributed, but I would assume that those who are joining Forte are the uh, the lucky ones, uh, while those who are, you know, not left behind but working on the uh, the games are the ones who need to put in a little bit more effort to, to find the end of the rainbow. Uh, but um, but again, I I don't know. I don't have any information on this. Uh, this is just my assumption. So um, yeah. Anyways, uh, Netflix. Oh my uh, God. Okay. <laughs> what? Can I, can you want to say something? Yeah. I'm, I'm right. just trying to. I'm kind of trying to draw you in here. Like, come you're on. You're dying. Guys. You're dying. You're dying here, man. I'm killing. Yeah. You're killing me here. All right. So to protect my own interests for once, yes. I'm going to reserve comment here. But I do want to say one thing. To illustrate what a brilliant salesperson Mr. Neil Young is, you have to read his Medium article. It is like yes. unfucking believable, right? How I, you have to read it. I. I, I'll link, share, link, well, in link in the description. Link in the notes, right? But the 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 one quote that I have to say here, right, is that this is the quote: "With some shared DNA between our two companies, we initially started exploring the possibility of collaborating. And like all the best love stories, our <laughs> ours had that kind of inescapable gravity that made it seem inevitable." <laughs> when I read this, I'm like, "Holy crap! Like this guy's a." Brilliant, fucking brilliant. Yes. Now, when you read this, it sounds like a ridiculous statement, I think, on the surface. Maybe even dribble, right, if, 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 when reading it. But I tell you, if you ever listen to Neil talk, 
he could basically say this with a straight face and make you a believer, right? Like this mm-hmm. guy is a brilliant salesperson. So congrats to Neil Kleiner, Mr. Bing Gordon. This is a clearly a great outcome for you all. And I, and I applaud uh, your, your moves here uh, to become part of Forte. That's what I would and, say. And Neil Young is English, correct? Yes. And I, so that I work, always I, adds I, more value when you say these things in a perfect Queen's English. Yeah, no, dude, the guy is, I mean, <laughs> he talks funny. I don't know yeah. if he's, he's not the BMI guy. Maybe he is. I don't know. I he's not the BMI guy. He's but for he's sure definitely, definitely charismatic um, and a talker and uh, yeah. G, uh, brilliant. Brilliant. Yeah, he's uh, fantastic. So I, I think the reason for acquisition was. Uh, network was successful with its platform and free-to-play mobile games and market and helping companies to build economies. Uh, similar tools and no, systems no, no. will be needed in blockchain games, perhaps. This is at least the reasons that have been told. Um, equally important, in my opinion, this wasn't said, is that Neil and his executive team are um, engines in the in the industry, and that will definitely help Forte, as they have been hiring a lot of people who have worked in the industry and in C-level. C I think Chris Ackerman has joined them as well. Um, from uh, pro- previously Glue's uh, chief revenue officer. Uh, and the uh, the plan for separating the studio, I think, is clear on the outside because Forte plans to be a platform that serves game companies. And if they would own their own studio, that would be not, you know, it's it's not as kosher. It's it's It would be just weird. So the, pl- the, the kind of challenge that the blockchain game is facing um, you know, the big question is something that we've covered a lot in the in, in these updates here is how will the uh, the hardcore audience as well as the the, uh, the mainstream audience um, accept blockchain games? Because currently it has a lot of hype, but a lot of the uh, but not that many players. And yes, there are people who are playing the Axie Infinities and so forth, but they're not really players. They're workers in, in some of the uh, uh, less fortunate countries like the Venezuelas and the Indonesias where, where they're just, you know, playing for salary um yeah and you know i think uh, i think neil and his executive team as as chris said he's a brilliant uh speaker and, and clearly a brilliant leader because he's you know pre- prior to this he had ng moco sold that to dna and, and now network sold this to forte so he, he is he has the track record to to um yeah, I mean, he just has the track record. So a brilliant executive probably will be leading Forte's gaming business. I don't know uh, what his final role will be, but most likely quite influential inside the company. So we'll be hearing of him um, a lot in the near future. Well, this, this is getting like disproportionate airtime. Let's move on to King. <laughs> okay. Or, uh, right. Activision. Like, what? Okay, folks, let's take a little break from the conversation. Talk about your post-IDFA cross-platform strategy. More specifically, how you're going to monetize that sweet console and PC audience of yours. Well, here's where Player One comes to the picture, providing a huge revenue opportunity for developers and publishers. In fact, it's the only engagement and monetization platform designed to reward free to play console and PC gamers. Now I know what you're thinking players don't want to watch ads on console and PC. Well, that's actually not true. According to extensive surveys with players who are playing the most popular AAA free-to-play games, Player One found an overwhelming desire, 77% to be accurate, by gamers to have an option to earn free in-game content in exchange for watching 15 to 30 second advertisements. Now, the second thing you're thinking about is that you don't want to show other games to your console and PC players. Well, Player One got you covered once again. 
Firstly, the platform lets gamers decide if they want to watch TV quality brand sponsored videos inside their favorite titles in exchange for cool in-game items and awesome content. Secondly, as I said, Player One's inventory is purely of TV quality brand sponsored videos, so you won't have to worry about churn or build segmentation profiles. Plus, given the fact that the majority of free-to-play players on PC and console never actually spend any money in the live service area of those games, Player One is providing a way for developers and publishers alike to help their loyal players to get access to all the additional content that's being created while maintaining their games economies. Player One is fully optional for players and completely respectful of game flow. And for developers, Player One has been proven to drive retention, lifetime value, and additional revenue, all while maintaining monthly active users and reducing churn. Everybody wins with Player One. Gamers unlock immediate rewards, developers enhance the playing experience and generate passive revenue, and brands connect meaningfully with the most passionate audience in media. Visit playerwon.com to see how it works in practice or Get, go to the link in this podcast description below. Now, back to the episode. Sorry for interrupting this podcast, but I got an important message. It's about increasing your game's revenues. I bet your mobile games is ready to find new, untapped audience and a juicy 40% revenue boost. Well, you can achieve global reach and acquire new players with local payment methods and exclusive content and with huge savings on platform fees. After recent events allowing developers to sell virtual items and currencies directly to players with a substantial savings on transaction fees, Exola launched WebShop for mobile games. This timely solution helps you unlock global potential and grow your mobile games beyond the App Store and unite your player community across all devices. Plus, it can also improve discoverability and boost player retention. If you're ready to increase revenue, save on fees, and then regain control over distribution, Exola Web Shop for mobile games can help you succeed. Visit exola.pro slash D-O-F or go to the link in this podcast description. Now, back to the episode. I mean, when the, deal, when the deal terms aren't disclosed, it's not a headline, right, story to... Let's talk yeah, about and, the, and, the, and the reason the deals are not the deal terms are not disclosed for a reason. Just to be clear. yes, and right. and and we so, we may know something and like anyways like the the pro, like they often like I, even before recording this this episode on another note, um, now my conversations and like this just don't talk about this in the podcast. So I never <laughs> talk about things that that you say that don't talk about this in the podcast, but uh, but I do. It's kind of hard now to beat around the bush because more people are talking about things to me and just ending it with don't talk about it in the podcast. So I won't and I haven't. But, all right. So, so Microsoft is pursuing an acquisition of Activision. That was like, I read that when I woke up and I almost like <laughs> fell out of my bed. Yeah, that was like, like shock, shocking. Yeah, uh, so but stock, this is like, someone sent me a link and the stock was up 30%. I'm like, ah, oh, this is some kind of joke or something. <laughs> exactly. Like there's that like stage red as soon as you read that headline. You're like, no, no way. It's not possible. Well, <laughs> well, you know, what's, what's funny. I was, I was talking to someone yesterday and it's like the biggest gaming acquisition of all time got uh, unseated in a week. Right, because because Take Two acquiring Zynga was the biggest gaming acquisition of all time, and the next week the record was blown away yeah, blown with away. a seventy billion dollar acquisition offer. Um, <laughs> who wants to start, Eric? Yeah, I mean, I guess 
so this is obviously a very complex, long topic. So I'm going to try to try to keep this as brief as possible. But you know, the, the first thing that I thought of when I saw those articles is uh, never bet against Bobby Kotick. That is a line that I've heard from hunt now dozens of investors, right, have said this to me <laughs> individually, right? Because this is an absolute genius move, almost by every measure. You know, I basically he's playing chess and the rest of everyone else is playing checkers at this point because I think he's just masterful at orchestrating all these type of things and we'll, and we'll, we'll get into it in a bit. But like, so Bobby's always been a deal maker, like Strauss, right? They're all Strauss from uh, Take Two. Um, he basically invented this, and, invented and reinvented Activision through acquisition. So it's kind of fitting that in his opus, he's basically selling his company in the largest video game deal ever. Uh, so um, so quickly, in 1990, he bought the 25% stake in Activision and, and they were almost bankrupt, right? And the idea was simply to build an independent developer that, that, that didn't care about platform that was basically had, controlled its own destiny. Um, and over the next 22 years, he built the largest one of the largest, I guess Tencent is still larger, independent developer um, in, in the world, right? And, and, and most, a lot of it was through acquisition, like strategic acquisition. So first of all, in 2006, he acquired Vivendi, from, which included Blizzard and Sierra. Um, and I was at EA at the time, and we looked at this deal, and we basically said it was too expensive and too complicated because all the crap that was, was Vivendi and Sierra, right? We didn't really see the strategic value of something like Blizzard and, and that team. And it was a huge mistake that, to this day, I am sure, particularly Frank Jabot, uh regrets uh, because we did have the opportunity to, to buy this. And it made much more sense under EA's banner, frankly. But I think Bobby just saw the value prop of, of, of having this, these assets, even at that time, before World of Warcraft, whatever, etc. Um, but Bobby also acquired Raven, Neversoft, Infinity Ward. So these are after EA just blew it with Zampella and Jason West after uh, Medal of Honor. They acquired that team and built Infinity Ward, which became the, you know, obviously one of the biggest studios in the world with Call of Duty. They built bought Treyarch, which was another studio, Red Octane, Toys for Bob. And then they also took away Glenn Schofield and Michael Condry from EA, who created... Um, Dead Space, and then ultimately with Sledgehammer. And so you see a trend here. Basically, Bobby has been screwing over EA for like decades, right? So there's a lot of bad blood between them, just in general, because they are basically stealing teams and, and, and talent. Um, so the final big acquisition that, that Bobby did was in King in 2016. Things were looking a little grim because Guitar Hero and Skylanders were kind of falling off a cliff, and they acquired King. And at the time, and I've said this last week about this deal with Zynga is that they bought it for nine times EBIT because they were really struggling out of the gate after the IPO and they combined it as part of Activision and then basically got 20 times EBIT uh, with the, the multiples of Activision. So it is the most obvious uh, uh, multiple arbitrage in the business. And this is a brilliant move that basically put them into a different trajectory. So after all that, <sighs> um, now, after all this, I, I know many of you are thinking that, you know, Bobby is a despicable human being, but, you know, that's like kind of the perception out there. And that may be, right? But as a capitalist <laughs> and as driving shareholder value, this guy is a freaking genius, right? Absolute genius. He is ruthless. He's cunning. He does his job almost perfectly to drive shareholder value, despite 
him being despicable by most people's definition. Um, but anyway, why this deal is so amazing for Activision and, and Bobby and the rest is, is, is like five reasons. The first reason is he basically saves his reputation, right? Rather than getting booted in disgrace, probably with the next six months to a year, he basically retires in style, right? He lets, you know, he basically sells the company and, 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 and goes on to pasture. Meanwhile, he's reportedly going to make $400 million on this deal personally, right? And it could be even more when all is said and done. It's unbelievable. Um, and then the, the other thing, the third thing is that he's making his shareholders whole, right? The people that believed in him and invested in him for years, these huge shareholders that own billions of dollars worth of stock that were getting pummeled over the last year, he made them whole because he basically sold the company at close to the all-time high price. Not quite, but pretty close at 90 bucks a share in theory, right? Um, and then he quote-unquote fixes the culture by passing the buck, right? He doesn't have to deal with the culture <laughs> issues anymore, right? He's giving it over to Microsoft. You know, you guys figure this shit out, right? I don't need to do this anymore, right? And so Microsoft is actually kind of known for its, its softer culture, and they may be able to fix things. And even if they don't fix things, they the perception is that they likely will fix things, if that makes sense. Um, and... And they also, in theory, pay more competitively than traditional video game companies, which is part of why Activision is such a terrible place to be, is they, they're not really all that competitive on, on wages, similar to EA as well. So we'll see how this kind of met, projects itself. But, but ultimately, um, I think the, the people of... Sorry, I'm not articulating this well. The people of Blizzard and Activision will likely try to stick around to see what's next, what happens, right? Rather than leaving. But there's still risk there, but anyway, whatever. And then finally, they keep IPs whole. So besides King, which we'll talk about in a second, I think everything they've built in the last 20 years will likely be maintained at Activision, I mean, at, 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 at um, Microsoft. So they find a new home for all their teams and all their products, which I think totally makes sense. Um, God, I'm just keep going here. All right. From Microsoft's perspective, I'm going to try to keep things simple because the press release was absolute bullshit, right? Like, you know, my first thought was to talk, follow that rabbit hole of like, oh yeah, they're going to build a metaverse, compete with Epic, Roblox, Facebook, blah, 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 blah. But that's such a long-term thing that it's not really all that really matters at this point in my view, right? In the short term, this is the fundamental thing with Microsoft is Microsoft owns the enterprise market. They have almost 300 billion dollar plus of revenue from that market. Their both, both prospects are there, but they need a real legitimate consumer strategy to continue to grow and to continue to build their business, right? Microsoft has spent insane amounts of money trying to build this consumer market with the fucking Surface shit, you know, the phone debacle, you know, their, their, their phone um, operating system to compete against Google and Apple, which failed miserably, you know, fucking HoloLens. I mean, give me a break, right? Um, so nothing has really gained much traction besides Xbox. So they need to continue to build this consumer brand and, and, and build consumer revenue. And I think this is a really good way of doing that. Um, and Xbox represents like the most, one of the most exciting mediums out there and the, one of the most growing. And it deepens that relationship with the consumer, which I think is really smart. And by through additional content, they can continue to build that relationship. You know, the hardware stuff is fine, but building a software as a service, subscriptions, kind of is where the value is from, from a shareholder perspective, just generally speaking. Um, and the more people that in the ecosystem, the more of their time they're spending, they keep doing this, they repeat this great, you know, they, they, they rinse and repeat and create this great value for consumers. So I think it's all very good. Um, 
from an issue perspective, here's the issues that I think, and, and actually the, the issues here are far less than Zynga, just to say. But um, uh, this is going to get significant antitrust scrutiny, significant, like Zynga is nothing compared to this, right? Um, and that's why it's taken, it's going to close, it's taken over a year to close most likely, or the estimate of when they're closes. So tech, you know, tech giants are getting more scrutiny these days. Bethesda was a tough deal, but this is, that was, as I've said, mice nuts compared to this deal. So, and also with the stock trading at 82, you have to understand that many of these merger arbitrage folks are betting against this transaction ever closing, right? Basically, Barron said that they have like a 60% chance of closing, given the fact that stock is at $82 when it should be at 96 at the acquisition price, right? Um, the second thing, this is absolutely terrible news for PlayStation. And we can talk about this later, but despite all the rummings and false bullshit that's going out there, Call of Duty is going to be an exclusive game on Xbox, ultimately. So if you think that's not... No way, no way. Yes, no yes. Way. and I, we can talk about it later. No but if you think that they're no, doing... Exactly, on Xbox. It yeah, can't be exclusive, Jack. There's no way. Yes, absolutely. 100%. No, no way. Ultimately. No way. Now, it's not going to be for this year. It might be for next 2023, but certainly for 2024, right? Ultimately. Now, why would nice. why would they why would they do no? Let's hover I'll there because I think that's the biggest that's 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 the the most pressing question I think. Yeah. I, why, why do you think that? All right, here's what I think. So this is a side note here. This is crazy. Actually, I didn't even know this until yesterday. But they they sent a letter to the European Commission trying to get approval for the Bethesda deal, right? And in that letter, they basically said that it makes no financial sense, and and they do it in this legal ease way. And I just can't I can't repeat it because I don't have the words in front of me, but. It makes no legal sense for Bethesda to publish games exclusively on Xbox. It basically said this in this letter to the European Commission. Yet, after the deal closes and six months later, what? What? guess what? Fucking next Bethesda deal is exclusive to Xbox, right? So they make, they make these claims, and this is why this deal might not go through, right? If they don't figure this shit out. But nonetheless, whatever makes sense... This, it only makes sense for Microsoft to make this exclusive. It doesn't make sense for them to build content for other platforms because they're trying to build a platform and a service, right? So building content for other platforms doesn't make sense. And so this is exactly what they did with the Bethesda deal. And I think it's likely, despite what they say in the press for the next year and a half, ultimately, when push comes to shove, if it's not this cycle, it's next cycle, Call of Duty will ultimately be um, the... Sorry, I'm getting pinged. Call of Duty is going to be exclusive on the Xbox. Ultimately, is my my. my. But wouldn't that limit? So what they want to do is they want to continue to make sure that the brand has uh, wide reach, right? And and if you cut off half of the console market, you're gonna you're gonna reduce the reach of the brand. Also, they've got Call of Duty Mobile that's really important to them strategically, and they've got Call of Duty on on PC, right? So how it, it, you can't just exclude one platform? Like they would basically just be saying it's available everywhere except for Sony PlayStation. Basically, right. Or, or they might just stagger the launch where they would come in first no, and Microsoft. No. That I think is more, I think it's more likely that they bake in some kind of like Xbox ex exclusive on the Game Pass that confers mm -hmm. some kind of like benefit. They took Bethesda, Bethesda, this is like the same fever dream that people are having that Bethesda games are going to be a timed exclusive on Xbox. They're out of, you're out of your minds. But that, like, but Bethesda, your minds. Was a, Bethesda was much smaller. I mean, active, you know, is Call a huge Duty. game. It's like a 20 to 25 million unit seller. They yeah, basically gave up about half of their units by doing this. And not to mention it's part of the subscription, right? Which is even, dude, they don't give a shit. Dude, this is, again, even the deal with, I, I, I say this flippantly because I know it's not quite true, but I'm saying it anyway. But 
the eight hundred million dollars they're gonna lose, or maybe a billion dollars. That's freaking mice nuts for for for. <laughs> For Microsoft, if it doesn't fit their strategy, why do they care? A billion dollars, dude. That's like a, that's like pimple pus for them, right? That's not even mice nuts, right? No, I so know. So like, but... I I just think that ultimately the only reason that this makes sense is to build a subscription service and 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 a, and a platform that is compelling and unique, right? So do you think like Netflix is going to give up their you know or HBO is going to give up Game of Thrones just because it makes more sense to reach a broader audience? Right. No, but, that's, but, that, but that's yeah, but that but that's that's a that's a different thing, right? Like the 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 choice of Netflix versus uh, HBO Max or whatever. You're you're talking like a couple bucks a month versus the the hardware, right? Which is very expensive. I, so my sense is like, yeah, they're they're doing this to bolster the subscription business. They can do that without making it exclusive to Xbox, and potentially they how, even how make could they do that. How can they do that though? Like, how can they convince Sony to allow them to put Warzone on Sony as a direct upsell to Game Pass with Sony's permission? Right, no, because they get exclusive Game Pass offers on on Xbox. Right, like what if they don't make the Battle Pass available on 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 PlayStation? Right, like you could do stuff like that, or you could have you know timed release, you could have staggered release. But I think also, but would Sony just, allow that? Like, like I, I agree. I think the ideal here is that they they put Warzone on on PlayStation, and it becomes some version of a sneaky upsell towards Game Pass and their their total ecosystem. But but would Sony ever allow that? Right. Which and, way, yeah, but we go back to the question of like once once the property is so big, you can't uh, you can't police it as well, right? Like just a, just like we're talking about with Netflix, what can Sony do? If if the choice is between having it or not having it, they have to have Call of Duty, right? It's just too it's too big of a of a console IP. Right. It's, it's and, the biggest it's the biggest game in the world. Right. And so so okay, and that that's where my kind of I I will admit that it seems really crazy for them to do this, but imagine. So here's the hard part because I'm going to look dead wrong for the next year as they try to sell this deal because I think they're going to make the language look like, oh yeah, they're not going to do that. But I know I'm not wrong, right? I, I know ultimately I'll be right, just like I was right about Bethesda from the get-go, just saying. But what I'm saying is that they can argue that they have a service available, right? Like Call of Duty is available. They're not they're not pulling the plug on anything that's that's out right now or the next year's game so they're gonna have a call of duty on playstation for years for this entire generation right but the new games don't necessarily need to be part of that mix right and they can word it in a way that doesn't that that kind of allows them to do that right so this was an argument that was made i've, I've read a few arguments about it and, and that kind of makes sense like they'll continue to have call of duty on the platform but the new new versions will not be available right it'll only be available on xbox and that that fits. I think that's fine, right? Um, and so then they don't lose all the revenue that they've been generating over over you know over the last few years. But again, this is like the reason this is like so political from the perspective because it's just such a, a gamer type thing, like this battle between Sony and Microsoft that no one's going to really see this objectively at all. But at the end of the day, I think it only makes sense for them to make them ultimately exclusive on Xbox and Xbox's service. And that'll happen either in 2023 or 2024. That is my prediction, uh, regardless so, of what is said in the press. So, if your prediction is correct, like let's just in in a scenario, let's let's assume that Call of Duty goes Xbox and Xbox PC exclusive. Doesn't that just open up a gigantic opportunity on Sony for what? a PvP shooter? Dude, they haven't built a services game. No, no, no. I'm not saying Sony builds it. I'm saying oh. somebody builds it. 
because now all of a sudden like there is still a lot of hardware of sony sold doesn't that now give ea an opportunity yeah. that they didn't have before right like apex legends now can eat up all those sony players um battlefield could have an opportunity to kind of resurge right and then you also have you know maybe even like 10 cent and crossfire right like they're trying to build up that brand um so th there is an opportunity to go to a full cross platform here that that they can't as soon as it goes exclusive yeah yeah maybe that's true. what but crest do you think sony buys uh studio now do, do they pull uh yeah. they, they are they are they gonna do this are uh, they gonna are they gonna respond dude sony i mean i just was writing on linkedin to this new zoo guy but like sony is playing che checkers <laughs> you know they're the ones that are playing checkers dude microsoft's playing chess and 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 sony is too slow right um and, and part of it's like the culture um and part of it's just they're so i've said this many times they're so drunk on their own success there's no incentive to change anything or do anything and the fact that they're capitulating on this subscription service in theory with this new project that they're working on is is an indication of how far behind they are right um you know and um i just don't know if they have the appetite to do a large enough acquisition to matter right so ubisoft's in play right now i would say uh even though they're french and they're not for sale um most likely although anyway we'll, we'll we can talk about that in a bit i i i, I there there are definitely options here but nothing like like they're not never going to acquire ea right EA's well, way too big. Why? Oh, someone someone sent me a list of uh, companies that are still in play. So there's take EA. Two. T take two is in play. D did you hear though that uh, Activision was kicking the tires on Zynga? Like I, my my understanding is that the the Microsoft Activision deal came together pretty quickly. But uh, that that because because uh, Activision was kicking the the tires on Take Two, they brought in bankers to kind of give a presentation um, on that acquisition, and then because uh, I think po post post the take two you announcement. Activision they, was kicking the tires of Zynga. You said Activision yeah, was kicking the tires of take two. No, 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 no. So now they're in play. <laughs> but what was reported yesterday was that after it was announced that take two is acquiring Zynga, there's a there's a go shop clause, right? So then Activision kicked the tires on coming in with a higher bid for Zynga, right? And then the Microsoft Activision acquisition. Materials. No, but I mean, it, it happened. I mean, they, they brought in bankers to present no, no, to the board. No, I, I believe it happened. There's just no way that they would have paid. Yeah, well, I don't think they could have pulled it off either. But anyway, so the list of companies that are public companies that are in play. So EA, Take-Two in play, right? Nexon, Bandai, Namco, Embracer, Netmarble, no. Ubisoft, whoa, Konami. Whoa, whoa, whoa. These are in play Spr to be acquired? Well, no, they're public companies that could be acquired. That's, right? that's ridiculous. Yeah, whoever wrote that's ridiculous. You can't acquire, what? You can't acquire Netmarble or... Bandai Namco, unless you're another. Japanese. Why would Sony even want to? No, I'm just saying. I'm just saying. I, we, we were talking about <laughs> no, because the, the the question was raised. What other companies are out there? I'm I'm, uh, I'm uh, reading off a list of okay, public okay. companies. Yeah, there's like, uh, the, scenario, the scenario of Sony and EA, right? Yeah. No, but not, yeah. out of out of that context. So yeah. let me let me finish the list. So Square Enix, Capcom, and Sega. And so the the price prices range. EA, 38 billion. I guess the market cap. Sega, 3.6 billion is market cap. Anyway, there's a list of companies that are public that could potentially be acquisition targets. That's my only point. Yeah, okay. So, I, I, again, I don't want to repeat the same thing I say all the time, but like the real, re reality of acquiring studios or companies in this world is that there are too much regulatory bottlenecks in order to make shit happen, right? You cannot acquire a French company because of French labor laws and all the issues and risks around that. And if the 
I always forget how to pronounce his name. The Guillemot Eve and his his brothers, his family, if they don't want to sell, they're not selling, right? Like that that's the way it works in, in France, as far as I understand it. And so, but he might be a willing seller at this point because everything's falling apart in his world. So <laughs> I think the ones that are most realistic in terms of selling are take two potentially, but I think they're kind of stuck for a bit, um, at least until this Zynga deal closes, if it closes. And then um, Ubisoft, right? Those are the two, right? EA is too big. All right. What, so hold on. So, so Eric had his, uh, Cress had his hill that he's going to die on. I've got my hill that I'm going to die on. I don't think, so everyone's saying King is not strategically important. They're going to divest it. I disagree. I think no. King is very strategically important. I think they're going to hang on to it. And I think they're going to utilize it better uh, than it was being utilized at Activision um, and, and produce a tremendous amount of value out of it. What yeah, value? I mean, I, I, I'm not sure how it fits, I'll be honest. I think it's a cash flow, you know, I think it's a, basically a cash cow and they basically helps fund the rest of the business. So I think they likely keep it. I don't think, I, I would never argue that they would divest it. Um, I just don't think that audience for, I haven't seen a demographic expansion in consoles for like the last, what, 15 years. So the the notion that we can get the king audience to come and, Get the season pass at Microsoft. It seems ridiculous. But like a PC Xbox with a bunch of casual games in it? Like, no. That doesn't no. seem far fetched, right? Co- content Fortress. Uh, yeah, I know. Can I know. Shut <laughs> the fuck up with King. this Content Fortress thing. <laughs> no, you've got 250 million MAUs in playing King, right? Uh, you've, you know, it, they basically have one. King has one franchise. They basically have, let's call it three games. Uh, 250 million MAUs. You build a player graph covering all that. Microsoft could launch the biggest gaming ad network in the world. But would they? Maybe. I mean, why not? I mean, that would be a smart thing to do, right? I mean, that there's. I think like there's so much market up for grabs right now. They could they could easily you know that's that that turns into a very very big business pretty quickly. I, I think if you were at Microsoft, that would that would be the play, right? That would be very similar to to. to Zynga buying um, an ad Chart network, boost. right? Yeah. Chart boost, yeah. right? Um, content for interest, but I don't see Microsoft doing that. Um, I agree with you. The idea would be they would take King and they would leverage that that player network that they have to actually upsell something, move players around, create value, and then even bring in external developers to offer. But I don't see Microsoft building an ad network. What, what you're keeping? It doesn't have to be just a, across King's uh, inventory, right? There, you know, you could, you could, if you built a unified ad network across the platforms, you could have ads being run in the storefront, right? You could have ads being run in on the in the on the platform games. I mean, there's just like a lot of 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 surface area here, and I think if you unify it all together, you build a player graph that becomes really compelling. I got no comment. <laughs> I just don't see Microsoft doing it. I would yeah, rather see like, say, like, like here, someone else take that player graph that could actually build that thing and seize a future and, with know, it. And, and, and all these assumptions, all these assumptions are around the fact that that one group talks to another group. Like, you know why Microsoft was so successful in building Xbox is because they were a fucking standalone company with their own freaking building in Bethesda or where the fuck they are, right? In in up in in Washington, right? They didn't talk to anybody, right? They just were doing their own thing. And that's the only reason it was successful, right? And so now you're talking about some like kind of like big like, you know, kumbaya moment around the campfire to build out like this fucking content fortress. I don't think well, that shit happens, dude. No, that's but, I think. but 
Yeah, no, but, but uh, it's it's not because Phil, Phil Spencer runs what they're calling it like Microsoft Gaming now, right? This could be a gaming ad network. This doesn't have to connect to Bing or anything like that. This could be its own self-contained thing within this within this org. Yeah, I yeah, really don't think it's going to be an ad network. Like I, I know it makes sense, but that seems like to be the furthest along from from you know what Microsoft is going for. Like does Microsoft right now they have a pretty massive content fortress in Game Pass, but they're not going around ad, asking for a standard ad unit through all the games in Game Pass no. to effectively upsell within that gigantic player graph that they already have, right? Well, but it's, not, so, it's 20, 25 million, right? So the king is, is yeah. 10x. But so, okay, put aside, put aside an ad network, right? Don't think about it as an ad network. Think about it as just a uh, content uh, cross-promotional network. Well, no, the content fortress is the broader structure, right? But the like a cross promo network, an upsell network, or whatever. I mean, you just you you you've you've got multiple new touch points with people. Now, I don't think there's that much. There's probably not a lot of overlap between the audiences, right? But that's a good thing because you just expanded the scope, and now you've got a whole new uh, basically demo profile uh, that you've absorbed into this into this big audience, uh, which is your sort of your your gamers, right? And there's just so much you can do with that beyond just advert like selling ads to them. I'm gonna, I'm gonna reiterate Adam's point here, is that if it was Eric Seifert was CEO of the gaming network, maybe, but if it's Phil Spencer, right? Who's the head of yeah. Microsoft? Phil Spencer, yeah. He doesn't know fuck all about advertising, dude. He doesn't give a shit about advertising, you know? Like, well, why, why would that be a strategic priority for them? And who's gonna convince him to spend time on that versus spending on time on building studios and building games? It's like, it's just like that mind, you know, the mindset, you know. That's why. Like, that's why. That's why Zynga was never going to build a content fortress the way you described, because Frank and team don't know shit about advertising, right? They don't. But they, if they say the if they chose to divest from from King, which I don't think is a great idea, I think, like with Activision, leaving King alone already is a pretty profitable right. decision, right? Right. Um, to to right. operate. Okay. If they let go of King and took those funds and then bought more Activisions, right? Like more. Um, PC console developers to pull into their ecosystem. That feels like a better play. Maybe. I don't know if it's a better play, but it makes more sense given their DNA. Well, yeah, yeah, yeah. Again, it, dep it depends on what the what the strategy looks like, and if you know, if they, I mean, put advertising aside, right? It could, I, I agree that maybe they wouldn't do that. Um, mm -hmm. It's probably not in their DNA, but I don't, I, I, I wouldn't rule that out, and I think it would be a, a I think it would be a strategically important thing to do, right? But I, I don't know. Why would you divest? You just, just because, yeah, maybe you could buy something else, but Microsoft has cash. It's not, nothing's preventing them from buying whatever they want, right? King just seems like a good asset to own, right? I mean, if you look at Activision, it's exactly like Eric said. I mean, my sense is this deal was motivated by, hey, distressed asset at, uh, you know, trading at a massive discount to what we think it's worth, right? Now, what do you think King is worth as a standalone company? Like twelve billion, a lot, right? It would probably be one of the biggest, you know, gaming companies on its own, right? Because if Zynga just sold for, you know, Playtika is at seven or something, yeah. uh, you know, it, uh, Zynga was at uh, 10 or nine or something. So I, King on its own, probably 12, maybe 15 billion. It's a, it's a big gaming company. Why would you want to get rid of that? If you're, if you're really making an effort into gaming, even if there's like more of a strategic focus on the console side and the subscription side, why would you want to get rid of one of the biggest mobile gaming companies? Then you have, you have basically no exposure to mobile. So to me, it just makes sense to keep it just because it's big and it's valuable and it throws off a lot of cash. But the other thing is like, I don't see how the, the there's probably interesting ways you can extend Game Pass to mobile. Right. If you start actually trying in earnest to, to ex expand your 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 scope on mobile, there seems like there's probably things you could do there. Maybe, but I, I still don't see how King fits within that narrative. But I, I sorry, I agree with what you exact. I think I wrote exactly what you just said, Eric, was that they it's going to just tons of cash to help fund the rest of the business. 
keep king. I, I, yeah, absolutely. Put it, put keep, it as an keep, asset. Keep, keep the cash cow. Keep the keep the yeah. one with the great long tail revenue. Yeah, that, that makes sense. Let them operate independently and run experiments of trying to use their player yeah. graph. I think I absolutely yeah. align with that. I just. I, 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 I guess I just don't want this to get into speculation territory, assuming that they would like King would start taking Microsoft IP or or oh, doing another play, right? Like we got to stop talking about that. It doesn't. Yeah, stop it. The synergy talk is going to make me puke. You well, know? The, the and, IP stuff is is totally red herring, and in, in, I think in almost any context. I mean, certainly it was with Take Two Zynga. It was just a total distraction, red herring. But but in this case, what IP were we even talking about? Like for going from Microsoft to Activision, it's not going to go that in, in that direction. Or even from Activision to Microsoft, I don't even know what how, no, what would they do with that. No, no, no. But the metaverse commentary, which was in the fucking press release, was just <sighs> absolute horseshit. Oh, right? Yeah, but there's not wait, hold on, hold on, hold on. There's not one team between both of them that are working on any type of metaverse platform, right? I mean. It's 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 total nonsense, user generated bullshit, right? Like yeah. stop, just stop. Like no, no, I, as soon as as soon as that came out, and then all the LinkedIn posts I was getting was not about the deal and like right. let's talk about the deal. It was guess what? This is a metaverse play. Right. Even oh, seeing no. ones that trying to bring it over to NFTs, yeah. I'm just that completely fuck off and just stop shilling and just say <laughs> yeah, thank exactly. you, congratulations what? to the teams at Activision Blizzard King, no. great acquisition from Microsoft. What, did you Boom. guys see that? Did you guys see the tweet that went viral with this guy was like, you know, one of these Web3 goons was like, uh, act, act, uh, Microsoft buys Activision for $70 billion. And what did the community get? Zero. Play to earn oh. can't come. Play to earn can't come fast enough. And it was like, what are you talking about? Oh that doesn't make God. sense. What oh planet are you living on? And it's like to even to even sort of refute that. You're having to like go into like basic concepts in like economic, like you know what I mean? Like it's just it's just so nonsensical. It would take you like ten pages to like go back to like you know Adam Smith and the Wealth of Nations. Like you, it's just like no way to. Re it's so it's so garbage dribble pablum nonsense that you can't even refute it. Yeah, well, I I I started going down this road, right? So I read this press release and I'm thinking, oh my god, does this really mean that they're competing? I mean, I actually. I got duped. I, I finally got duped on one of these press releases, even though I'm so cynical, right? And I started spewing this bullshit to one of my clients, one of my long-term clients, like, oh yeah, you know, this means that they'll be more competitive in here. And, and he's like, what the fuck are you talking about, Eric? Like, this is as simple as it gets. They, they need subscription service. They need consumer revenue. They need more content to just differentiate their service. That's it. Like, let's keep it simple. Everything else is just absolute pie in the sky bullshit, right? In, in, in general, I'm like, oh my God, you're right. Okay, I'm going to keep it simple, basically. Um, so anyway, to, to, to finish this thing off, I would say that this is a very, very, very bold move by Microsoft, right? Clearly. An amazing outcome for Bobby, right? Because he's basically leaves on top, basically, even despite all these issues. And, and the shareholders who have been sitting on a shitstorm for like the last six months to a year and these are big shareholders right like these are like billions 10 billion dollars worth of shares owned you know for some of these fucking shareholders um and I, i'll finally say never bet against bobby and i wish i had thought of that <laughs> all this time and i think a lot of people were investing in activision because of this even though the stock was getting destroyed um but this has a long way to go right whether or not it gets proved um it's going to fall a lot of scrutiny both in the us and particularly europe um, and they may, this, this Bethesda thing may actually hurt them 
you know, once they find out that they basically completely reneged on what they wrote in this freaking legal brief, you know? So, um, yeah, we'll see if it gets, goes through. So the only thing I'll add um, is just talking about the teams at Blizzard and Activision. Like, I think Microsoft is really turning into one of the best landing spots for some of these teams, right? So you talked a little bit about the talent attrition, but you think like Blizzard, Bethesda, all working under Microsoft under one roof with a monetization model, Game Pass, that really builds on their DNAs, right? Yeah. So Diablo 4 under a Game Pass model, to me, feels like a lot more attainable than then trying to, you know, destinyify or Path of Exile the Diablo model, right? Um, that takes a lot of pressure off that team to execute oh. on what they know. And then on That's, top of that, like all, all of those teams, right? Like working under the Game Pass model, um, there's all that talent that's probably leaving because of all the pressure that, that Bobby was putting on developing those live services. This world, I think, is a lot closer to what they're used to and it's a great landing spot for them. So yeah. Yeah, I think there's gonna, like there's obviously still the, the cloud of, of Kodak for the next you know year and a half through through this deal. The cloud um, of Kodak. <laughs> <laughs> what, what else do you want to call it? Right? There's obviously there's still the controversy around them. And dark, it, the dark shadow. <laughs> By the way, to be clear, Kodak is Kodak is leaving. Right? Like as soon as the deal is closed, yeah, when the deal's done, which could last a year and a half or more. Yeah. Right? Right. But um, yeah. So he joins Forte after this. Yeah, and you know all those all the key talent that we're talking about from Blizzard, like Blizzard in particular, making sure that they're going to stick around through that year and a half or more, so that they could be around for Microsoft, right? Seeing that light at the end of the tunnel of saying, okay, at the end of this, I'm not going to have um, an Activision, um, you know, McKenzie consultant coming in and telling me how to change my game designs. I'm just going to have Microsoft saying build the best game that lasts the longest as possible, right? I think that's just a lot cleaner for them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, and like Eric said, it's just an easy way to dump the, you know, the dump, dump this very, very sort of like, you know, difficult problem to solve on somebody else, right? Like, it's just like, this is almost, I mean, this is, this is you, you, you can't, it's very difficult to clear the rot out, I think, uh, in these kind of situations. And it's like, from just a personal standpoint, as I mean, not, not me, but like if the executives there, I'm sure like very happy to like not own that anymore because it was just going to be, um, you know, a very challenging problem to solve. And I, again, I want to make the same point I made about Zynga. Like these type of deals are contemplated for years and decades. You know how many times at EA we were approached by Disney and approached by News Corp and all the other media companies back in the day. So the idea of Microsoft combining with Activision it's something they discuss a, at a very high level. And and even though this deal obviously came together relatively quickly, right? Um, it's still like something that, that was like, yeah, probably negotiated very quickly, but also strategically, uh, you know, discussed and, and analyzed um, internally at Microsoft for a long period of time and combinations with all these mother truckers, right? So EA or Ubisoft or Take-Two or whatever. So anyway, I think, um, you know, just executing against this, shows where Satya is. Oh, and that's the other thing I forgot to mention. There was actually rumors during when Satya, Satya, is that his name? Anyway, the new CEO took over that they were going to shut down Xbox completely. Like it wasn't strategic because they were going after corporate and, and, and trying to build up their, you know, AWS competitor, um, which I'm totally blanking on the name. But anyway, um, so, so clearly, as I said earlier, 
they are trying now to move into consumer and build up their consumer uh, business as, as a means of growth. And this is obviously a clear uh, strategy to do so. So exciting times for video games. Yeah. Oh, and the last thing is to what you were saying, Seifert, about, um, about these NFT guys. I read that same quote, which is really crazy. I guess we're on the same feeds, right? Um, that this is like a zero, zero for consumer and let NFT reign or whatever the fuck that was that bullshit quote. Um, this basically validates the value associated with traditional game development, right? So with all this noise around metaverse, NFTs and stuff, the reality of it is these businesses are really fucking good and they're about, they, they have value. <laughs> surprise, surprise. Uh, yeah. Adam, do you have any other points? No, I think we kind of covered my, my other notes yeah. kind of organically before. It's all good. I, I, I just, I, I looked at this only from, from I know, because I knew you guys are going to come in from different perspectives. So I tried to look at it from mobile's perspective, which is essentially 55% of all revenues in games at the moment. Uh, so, but by yeah, the way, that news. stat, okay, first of all, I'm going to call bullshit on that stat. On Newsu so stat? Well, that's the only stat that's that a, No, have. but that's a worldwide stat. In terms of the, yeah. the markets that we're talking about, North America and Europe, it's Yeah, much definitely. Smaller. Console is much bigger because it takes takes into into account the Asian publishers as well as the giant markets of Japan, Korea, and China. So, Eric, you're absolutely right. But I was just looking at because, you know, I kind of started looking at the at the at the data of, of Microsoft before this acquisition and how are they doing on mobile. And, you know, they had Minecraft, so it's not like they didn't have mobile presence. And Minecraft is a it's a big game. They're making about 200 million a year net revenue. Uh, they had a bunch of brand extensions. Those kind of failed. I think they had a VR thing going on. And then they had the location based Minecraft game going on that kind of failed as well. And meanwhile, Roblox, I mean, just ballooned. They have through Bethesda, they got the Fallout Shelter and they got the Elder Scroll games. They've also released Forza, a, a car racing game, a Gears of War game that's kind of like a Clash Royale type of a game. They released an Archero version with a Doom on top of it. They had an Age of Empires. But overall, like when you start looking at these pretty great IPs that they have and the mobile games that they released, they're, you know, to quote Cress, mice nuts. Like we're talking about maximum of 10 million in net revenues throughout lifetime for for some of these great IPs and out of the latest releases like Forza I don't know if it even broke like 2 million in net revenues like it, just, it was kind of clear that despite having these IPs they really didn't have anybody on mobile publishing side so they kind of just released a game and hoped that it would do great and it didn't and they kind of forgot about it it was kind of weird uh, and then enter Activision Blizzard on mobile looking at the at the data they grew 23% in revenues last year beating Playrex. So it's the largest Western mobile publisher. Uh, and um, smaller only when compared to Tencent and NetEase. Uh, they got over $2 billion in, in yearly net revenues. Uh, they got 430 million installs last year alone. And this is with only new one new game being launched. And that was, of course, the, uh, the infamous Crash Bandicoot. Um, and this was, and then one another note I wanted to bring in from Philippe Julien. I hope I'm not butchering the name. This was on the uh, Deconstructor Fund Slack channel. And he pointed out that in 2016, Activision King deal closed at six dollars. No, six billion two hundred fifty six point twenty five. Fuck, six billion two hundred fifty million dollars. And according to the uh, the Q3 earnings report, uh, King accounts forty four percent of Activision's operating income. Uh, with Candy Crush growing strongly during the last years. Um, so if we assume that King accounts for 35% of Activision valuation, 
um, because of their lower variety of IPs and because it's mostly based on Candy Crush franchise. That would indicate that out of the 68 billion, the price of King is close to 24 billion. Uh, and that's a growth of 25% uh, over six years. So I know we've been talking a lot about, and, and people have been talking about being skeptical about the, the King deal. Uh, it turns out that it, it has been definitely a great move if we use this value calculation to kind of see how how much value King has added to the, uh, the overall portfolio. And as you guys were saying, like there's a lot of talks of what, what happens next with, uh, with, with Sony. Um, and I, I agree with everything, but I wanted to throw out one one option that that Sony could use, and that is counter. Right? They can counter bid, just like EA did with the um, uh, what was the uh, the the racing company that Take Two was buying. Codemasters. Codemasters. Yeah, like they they countered. You honestly think Sony will drop? Like, no, I'm just saying, like, we were, you guys were throwing out options, and they were like, you know what, 75, let's go. Let's go, Bobby. <laughs> and Microsoft, you keep Bethesda. Yeah, I, I, maybe. Uh, I think one th the thing is, uh, I, don't, I don't know that you could just... So, I mean, like, a stock price it bakes in, you know, it's a, basically, a, it's supposed to... Well, the idea is uh, that a stock, stock price bakes in uh, kind of future cash flows, right? And that's the whole mm -hmm. idea. You're discounting it back, and that's the value of the company. I don't know. King's growth is, is probably... I I would imagine that you can't just proportionally allocate the yeah. market cap to to King based on revenue generation, right? Because my sense is there wouldn't be a whole lot of excitement um, in the market for King as a standalone company, just given given the lack of ability to diversify away from even just the can the original Candy Crush game. Forget about the franchise. Um, but I, I do think it you know that was a brilliant acquisition. I mean, I think it's it's yeah. much more valuable than it was what, what it was acquired for. Um, and my sense is it's probably something like twelve to fifteen billion. Twenty four seems like a lot given given the revenue, given the growth. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, but, yeah. but I do have to say it's really interesting because Sony has essentially no presence on mobile, and now Microsoft is the largest Western mobile publisher. By the way, and 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 the, and the problem is they cherry picked Q3, which is obviously does not include the big con contribution of Call of Duty in Q4, right. and so they yeah. actually only represent about twenty five percent of the profits when you actually look at it at a full year basis. So the analysis yeah. was a little bit flawed, but nonetheless, they are clearly have have, uh, have have shown their value. But as a standalone company, in particularly in this day and age, they probably wouldn't be worth nearly that much. Yeah. And, the, and the other I, thing I'm is. Just, yeah, you can you can because I just wanted to point out one thing is like the news that broke up now is like uh, Sony's valuation is down 13%, which is equals yeah. $20 billion. Like think about waking up <laughs> this morning is it's like $20 billion of, out of your value has, has evaporated and now you have to make your move. Yeah. That's pretty crazy. Um, yeah, Microsoft's not just the biggest. I mean, it's 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 like astonishing that it's now the biggest western mobile publisher but it's just the, the biggest western gaming company now yeah i mean mike that's 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 wild i don't think if you would have you know if someone would have come on the podcast and be you know what i've been in five years microsoft's gonna be the <laughs> biggest gaming company in the west you'd like, you be talking like about? all platforms like yes all like even yeah, all platforms even mobile like the early twig episodes but like yeah. when still when 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 joe was on 
Like yeah. we are just trashing Microsoft, especially when we're talking about like the Minecraft AR game, the location-based yeah. game, and all this kind of stuff. Like, oh no, nothing good ever comes out of Microsoft. So, yeah, like, sorry, Microsoft, you're now <laughs> you're now the biggest. Yeah, you make the biggest deals. Let's let's stop talking trash. Okay. Yeah, they got Hearthstone on mobile now, so that's that's also a little cross-platform fun there. This is huge. This is obviously it's huge. Amazing. Well. Folks, right. that's the uh, that's the episode. Thanks everybody for tuning in. Um, love you guys. We appreciate you guys, and keep the uh, the feedback coming. And please uh, don't end up with you can't talk about this on the podcast because it, it turned. This is this is getting really hard. Like to to go through the news and and trying to remember everything that you can't talk about. So uh, we're just smiling here and trying not to talk about things. <laughs> Anyways, um, everybody have a great week, and we'll see you next week. Mm-hmm.